Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for the NCC podcast. God is doing so many great things in our community, and I trust that he's doing great things in your life as well. And I trust that God is going to speak to you through this message. Come on, somebody. How many people are happy to be in the house of God today? Come on. No better place to be than here together, exalting the name of Jesus. And I'm so happy that last week we started a brand new series, and that is Divine Design. What's the word for 2024? Divine Design. design. We're to look up, we're going to live well, and we're going to walk towards the divine design in Jesus Christ. And right now we're in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and it's really been divine and glorious already. Today is day seven, and I want to invite you to participate in these 21 days of prayer and fasting. You can get the resources in the front foyer, and then like Andy said, this Wednesday is a corporate prayer night on these Wednesdays, and it's worship, it's a word, but we're praying that God will answer your prayers. How many of you believe that God's still a miracle-working God? I believe that after these 21 days that God's going to answer some miracles. Come on, Sarah. Awesome. Well, hey, are you ready to get into the Word of God this morning? We are too. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with us to Revelation 1.8. If you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. It's on the screen. You can follow along there. I brought my Bible today. Revelation 1.8, and these are the words of Jesus, and this is such an epic and beautiful statement. Let's read together. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. We got to read that one again. Let's read it again. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The title of our message this morning is Divine Design, Look Up. Look up. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the church. God, we thank you for this house. Lord, I thank you that we can freely gather in worship of your name and we can gather around the word of God. I thank you that the word of God is alive and active. It is God-breathed and it has the power to transform our lives. Today we're here for more than information. God, we're hungry for transformation. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Prepare our hearts. Help us to receive what God wants to do in us too. Today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Come on. Well, divine design, we're going to look up to Jesus. And I want to tell you this God's divine design is for the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. Can I get an Amen? Come on. Can I get an Amen? Clarissa over here. Come on, Cowboys. I just want to make a prediction right now. I believe the Cowboys, in Jesus' name, are going to win it all. And it's, if they lose today, guys, I'm going to be so ticked off. I'm, I'm going to be really upset. Divine design. You know, last week, we talked about three divine designs from Psalm chapter 1. Okay, we, we are God's divine design. Every single person in here has a divine purpose. God's word, the Holy Scripture, is God's divine design for our lives. 
But the ultimate divine design is Jesus Christ. So whenever we walk towards Jesus, whenever we get closer to Jesus, we see the divine design. And it's amazing because he's actually the picture in the manual of what we are to walk towards. And he is the manual itself. He is the living word of God. Can you put your hands together for Jesus today? Come on. We love Jesus in this room. So today, we want to focus our discussion on Jesus as the ultimate divine design. So he's the one we look to so we can learn more about ourselves. As we look to Jesus to look up, then we get closer to him. We learn more about ourselves, and we understand what God intends for our lives. So why, why is it such a big deal to look up, right? Why are we looking to Jesus? And I want you to listen and listen closely. Whatever your attention is on determines your direction. So whatever has your attention determines your path and your direction where you're going. So today I want to tell you this. Point number one, if you're taking notes, point number one is this. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Revelation 1.8, Jesus says this. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Then he goes on to really expand on this verse. He says, I am the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. As the Alpha and the Omega, Jesus is God Almighty. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay, he is the living word. And the Alpha and the Omega, they're the first and last letters in the Greek alphabet. So it's like Jesus is saying this. I'm the first and last. I'm from A to Z and everything that you need. You know, when our children learn the English alphabet, they're learning the foundation and the building blocks of the English language. And in the English language, we all know there's only 26 letters in everything that we communicate, all the wisdom, the foundation of communication comes from these 26 letters. So Jesus is saying, I'm the alpha, the omega. I'm A to Z. I'm everything in between. I'm the foundation that you've got to build your life on. And the Bible says this, I love this. It says, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's so good. The Alpha and the Omega, that tells us who he is, the beginning and the end. He is, um, in him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But it also, it tells us about what he does for us as well. Hebrews 12, 2, uh, which is our foundational passage for this year for the divine design theme, it describes Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith. That's what he does for us. Philippians 1, 6 says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you realize that your faith did not begin with you, but with Jesus? And it will not end with you in your own strength. But the one who started your faith journey is the one who is faithful and able to see it through 
all the way to completion. I don't know about you, but I find great comfort in that. Every good thing about me, in me, is not because of me, but because of him. And he's the one who will complete every work he began in my life. As a mom, I'm thankful that this is true for my kids as well. This is true for our loved ones as well. That if maybe you have someone in your life that had a relationship with God, you know seeds of faith have been planted in their heart. And maybe right now they're not making good choices. Maybe right now they're confused and they're they're astray at the moment. And that can be scary But I want to encourage you with this passage that he who began a good work in them, he will carry it on to completion. He is the author and the perfecter, the finisher, the completer of our faith. That means he designed and instigated our faith. And we can trust that for us and those we love. He's the one who will see it through. I love the title Alpha and Omega, don't you? Because it's just so majestic. It's so epic. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the living God, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the angel armies. Whoa. We can't not just take a moment to get caught up in that. Am I right? He's the Alpha and Omega. I want to tell you, whatever you think of Jesus... He is still so much more than that. He is so beyond our comprehension. Yes, he's our best friend. Yes, he's the Savior who suffered at the cross for the sins of humanity. But he's also the righteous judge who sits on the throne. The God-man who walked the earth 2,000 years ago is the same God that holds the whole world in his hands. Jesus is amazing. The Alpha and the Omega. And then he describes himself in in our passage as the one who is, who was, and who is to come. I love that one, too. It's like drop the mic. No one will top that. What is, was, and is to come? Well, what does he mean by that? As God, he's eternal. He always existed, and he always will be. But let's talk for a moment on what Jesus means when he says he is the one who is. And that is point number two. Jesus is the one who is. As the one who is, he's the present one. He's the one who is always with you every step of the way. In the middle of the hospital room, in the middle of your bedroom, when you're praying at night, wherever you are, at the office, in the car, he is present with you. He is I am. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he's even present with us in the middle of the storms of life. Many years ago, as a young adult, I was on vacation um, in Maui with my family, long time ago. And um, anytime I'm near a, an ocean, I'm at the beach. The beach is my happy place. It's where I was meant to be. It's where my heavenly mansion will definitely be located, <laughs> by the beach, okay? Um, and so, however, on this particular day, I very reluctantly um, agreed to going on a deep-sea fishing trip. Worst mistake 
of my life, by the way. I'd been deep sea fishing off of Florida, thought, okay, you know, that was kind of fun. No, it was nothing at all like that. And I should have asked a lot more questions before committing to this, um, but I didn't. And so it wasn't until we were past the point of no return that I realized this is going to be an eight-hour fishing trip. Eight hours, that shouldn't exist. That's just not, no. And I know we've got people that love fishing in the room. Please still love me after the story. Just not, it's not my thing. Uh, you just wait all day for fish to bite. Uh, and, you know, they may or may not. So, anyways. Um, so, I find out this is going to be an eight-hour fishing trip. Eight hours goes by and no fish. And so, the captain graciously gives us two free extra hours in hopes that we would ten hours. Ten. Also, that would have been good to know beforehand. Would not have done this. Also, I look around on the boat and I notice there are no fishing poles on the boat. And there's just this one giant catapult-looking fishing pole contraption attached to the boat with, like, a seat and a seat belt with it. And I realize this is, like, fishing for really big fish type of situation I'm in, okay? So now I'm going to wait my turn to wait for a fish to bite because there's only one of them. So, And then, on top of all of that, uh, the waves were huge this day. I've never in my life seen waves like this. Probably never will again, because I'm never going back out there. (laughs) This was like one of those Baltic Sea fishing kind of shows. Like, no one should be out there in this situation. The waves were huge, and we were all holding on tight for dear life, or we'd be thrown to the other end of the boat. Um, It was like that. And I was so seasick, okay? So I was miserable and so seasick. And I think the captain was just delighting a little too much in my misery. And uh, he's like, yep. I remember him saying, nothing like fishing on the third roughest channel on earth. I'm like, again, that would have been good to know before I got on this boat. But really, there's something that the captain kept saying all day long that I will never forget. He said, keep your eye on the horizon. I'm so sick. The waves are huge. I'm holding on. I'm miserable. Hey, Sarah, keep your eye on the horizon. Over and over again, that's what he kept saying. And that stuck with me because it teaches us a lot about life. And the only way we can find stability in the midst of the mounting waves is to fix our eyes on the one thing that never changes. And Jesus is that one thing that never changes, and thankfully, he is the God who is with us in the storm. Mm, Come on, that's so good. Hebrews 12, 2, it says, to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. So just like Sarah was saying, how many of you know that life can bring some pretty big storms, right? Life can bring some pretty big waves, but if we keep our eyes On Jesus, the horizon, the immovable structure, the one that is our divine design, then he is the one that will get us through it. You know, one of my favorite stories, Matthew 14, it's the story of the disciples in the boat. And they're in the boat, and all of a sudden, a big storm comes. And the waves and the wind, it terrifies them. They're freaking out. They're gripped with fear. But then to make things worse, they look out and they see this 
like ghost-like figure out walking on the water and it terrifies them even more. But it's Jesus and Jesus cries out to them, hey, don't be fearful, it's me, it's Jesus. And then Peter says, if it's you, Jesus, let me come out to you. And Peter gets right out of the boat and goes right to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, I'd ask a bunch more questions before I got out of the boat, right? I'd be like, Jesus, what's my name, Jesus? Okay, Jesus, what's my telephone number? Okay, Jesus, what am I thinking right now? What did we eat last Tuesday? I mean, I would quiz him. Peter just got right out of the boat, and he starts doing the impossible, right? Walking on water. It's crazy until the Bible says this. It says, but when Peter saw the wind and the waves, he was afraid, and Peter began to sink. But Peter cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, because Jesus was within an arm's length away, and he caught him. Friends, this story is monumental, and I want you to grab hold of it, that in the midst of your storms, in the midst of your situations, that Jesus, he is, he is there, and he's an arm's length away, ready to catch you. And you know, Jesus didn't just snap his fingers and get the storm just out of there. No, Jesus does something a lot cooler than that, guys. Jesus allows Peter to walk on top of his problem, to walk on top of the waves, to walk on top of the storm, to do the impossible. His eyes were up on Jesus, and as long as he was walking and looking at Jesus, he was good, but then he dropped his eyes. The waves, whoa, I'm doing the impossible. The situation is crazy, and then he began to sink. Friends, in the midst of the storms and the waves of life, if we would just fix our eyes on Jesus, we can accomplish the impossible. Jesus will get us through things you can't imagine. And it's that we walk towards him, and it's not always going to be that Jesus just snaps his fingers and just allows a storm to be gone. No, Jesus wants to empower you in the midst of the storm. Jesus wants to give you the strength to do the impossible, to walk on top of your situations. If we keep our eyes, look up, look up to Jesus. But whenever we drop our eyes, look at our situations, our circumstances, and the impossibilities, the fear, well, then we begin to sink in life. And I just want to talk to anyone in this room. You feel like you're sinking You might feel like you're drowning. I love this story because Jesus is just waiting for you to cry out his name. Jesus, save me. And he's an arm's length away, and he will catch you and get you back on the right path. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus right now. He is in the midst of your storm. Another thing I love about this story is it shows us how our life of faith can inspire faith and those that are watching. So the disciples, they were watching all this go down. And after the disciples saw this, their faith life was changed and transformed forever. Look and listen to me. Somebody's watching the way you're walking through the storms of life. Somebody's watching how you're going through difficult circumstances. Somebody's watching you. It might be your kids, your family, your coworkers. Just somebody's, you know, I love the fact that I was able to watch my mom and dad, Pastor Denny and Dianza, walk through some storms in my life. 
you know, they walked through some very difficult situations, but in the midst of their storms, they decided, well, I'm going to keep my eyes up. I'm going to stay focused on Jesus. So people would curse them in the midst of those storms, and they would turn around and bless them. You know, there was impossibilities, and they would speak their faith to those impossible situations. Whenever it felt like they could not go on, they spoke the promise, you know what? I serve the God that says the best is yet to come. And I love that it should have been the worst situation for my parents walking through those storms. But let me tell you, they got through it and they got through every single one of them. But the worst situation turned into the greatest learning experience that built my faith. My life was changed forevermore. So listen to me. It's not just going to change your life looking up and walking towards Jesus, but it will change the lives of those around you and it will build their faith. Come on, give God some praise right now if you love him. Come on. He's the God who is with you in the storm. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And he is the God who was. That is point number three. Jesus is also the God who was. Well, what does that mean? Uh, John 1.1, I love the language of it, um, says Jesus, the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Jesus always was. He is the creator. The Bible says, through him all things were created, and in him all things hold together. He is the God who always was. Maybe when you were a teenager, you wrote, uh, do you remember like writing your name and saying, was here on stuff? (laughs) Right? How many of you have done that in the last recently year anyone (laughs) yes come on all right it still happens you know some things never change our young ones thank you for graffitiing still um yeah Sarah was here Jesus I this is what I love about this he's the God who was here on this earth 2,000 years ago I love that he still is speaking to us today reminding us that was me. Hey, I was here. He stamped that in time and history that he, the evidence that he was here. Has anyone been to Israel, taken a trip to see? Oh my goodness, you can truly, God bless and protect Israel in your name, in Jesus' name. You can truly go and experience where Jesus walked and see the evidence of his life. Even non-believers can't dispute the evidence that Jesus was here. And he's saying, hey, that was me. I am the one that was here. And that's just cool. And it never gets old, does it? He's the one that was on the cross. And yet now he's the one that is on the throne. What I love about this is that we can look back in our personal lives and see him as the God who was there for us. You know, as Christians, we are supposed to be free indeed, free from shame, free from the hurt and pain of our past, free from bitterness and unforgiveness, yet we have to all admit that we still battle that. Why? Because there, sometimes there are places, rooms in our past where Jesus just might be still on the outside knocking to get in. 
He said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. I wonder today what rooms of your past you still have not allowed Jesus to walk into. And how do we allow him to be the God who exists in our past? The one that we look back and see. Well, we repent, we forgive, and we grieve. If we have unrepented sin of our past, we repent. If we have people in our lives that we have not yet forgiven, we forgive them. That have hurt us, that have stolen from us. You are not meant to carry that any longer. You are meant to throw off everything that hinders you, and that is a hindrance. Look back and forgive, and then look back and grieve. You know, there are things that happen. We are profound psychologically at blocking stuff out. But do you know that the healer wants to get to those places in your life so that you can be fully free and fully healed? And I challenge you, as we're crying out for more of Jesus this year, we need more of him in our past. We need to look directly at those painful places that, that we've shut away And invite the healer in there. It's courageous. It's not easy. There will be tears, but I promise they will be tears of healing. It's God's will that you look back and you see Jesus there. The devil loves to throw our old sin in our face, right? And it's important. Once you have repented and received forgiveness, it is done. It doesn't matter what you remember I wish we could forget, but we remember, and the devil remembers. It doesn't matter how we feel. What matters is that by faith, it is done. You are forgiven. And so you can reassign that memory that the devil loves to use against you and say, nope, I see Jesus there. Nope, I see the cross there. And you disarm the enemy, and you rename that memory Because you've given it to God. I read it recently. Someone said, when the enemy points an accusing finger at you, you point a confident finger at the cross. Invite Jesus to be the God who was. Mm. Let him be the one you see when you look back to your past by repenting, forgiving, and grieving those things that have taken place. He can be the God who was. Mm, That's so good. And that's monumental. And the next point, if you're taking notes, Jesus is the one who is to come. Jesus is the one who is, who was, and is to come. What what does that even mean? Well, Jesus is coming back, plain and simple. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus lists off a lot of scary things that will happen in the last days. And we can look around and we can see on the news and in our world, friends, we are living in the last days. But listen to what Jesus said when all this turmoil and crazy things happen. This is what Jesus said, Luke 21 and 28. He said, when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. So Jesus said, when these things happen, look up, look to Jesus, because your redemption is drawing near. I believe these days are such exciting days to be a Christian. We are the John the Baptist generation, friends. We're preparing the way for the coming of the Lord, and we begin by preparing ourselves. And the way that we do that 
in John's famous words is Jesus must increase and I must decrease. We got to have more of Jesus. You know, one of my favorite people in the Bible is King David. King David is just, he's the man to me. You know, he's just, I love looking at King David's life. And if you read the Psalms and read throughout the Bible, you'll see David had some pretty crazy seasons of his life where he was struggling. Some ups, but some real downs. And in the midst of his valleys and his struggles and the situations that were turmoil, David had this incredible ability. I want you to listen to what David could do. He could command his faith into action despite of the chaos around him. He commanded his faith into action despite the circumstances that were presented around him. And one of those tough situations was he was running from King Saul. King Saul wanted to kill him. So he's running from King Saul. He can't live, you know, at his house anymore. He's living in caves. And he doesn't know what his future is going to hold. But even in the midst of this tough situation, David, he looks up. He looks to Almighty God. And he pins these words. And I just want to tell you, if you're, if you're going through a tough time, or maybe you just need to grow your faith, I want you to hear what David wrote in the midst of one of his Toughest times, and I want you to claim this for yourself and for your situation. This is what David said, Psalm 121 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. Friends, someone needs to hear that this morning. The Lord, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. And the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Jesus is the one who is to come. And when you look into your future, you understand, yes, I'm going through tough situations, but my promise is the best is yet to come. And finally, our final point this morning is Jesus is the Almighty. When we look up, we are not doing it in vain. When we trust God in faith, it is not in vain because he is the one who is mighty and able to do what he said he will do. He is the almighty. He can and will finish what he starts. We find great comfort in that. So to look up is really to look through eyes of faith. And to look through eyes of faith is to look ahead. So to look up is to look ahead. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is forward-looking. So when Jesus said in Luke, when these things begin to happen, look up, he's not saying look to see what's there right now, just a sky. He's saying look up and see in your imagination, your eyes of faith, what is not yet but will be. I am returning. I'm coming back. Fix your eyes and anchor your hope there.
You know, we were meant to be forward thinkers, forward lookers. Faith looks ahead. Our hope is meant not to be anchored in the here and now. This is when our faith gets in trouble. We anchor our hope in God. If you come through for me, we're good. If you don't, maybe I'm not sure. We, we anchor our hope in temporary things. And the scripture says, no, we have this hope as the anchor for our souls, firm and secure, anchored in eternity and in heaven. Our faith and our hope is anchored not in this world, but in something that's so beyond this world, in heaven where he resides, in eternity, which is our destination with him. That is where our anchor of hope is. And when we realize that, we are firm and secure. I love that language of an anchor because it makes me think of being in a storm and yet being steady. And we're steady because our anchor is in heaven where things do not change, firm and secure. To look up is to look ahead through eyes of faith. And in Hebrews 12, 2, Jesus gives us the example He is the example of what it looks like to endure a temporary storm by looking ahead. And the the scripture describes him as as, uh, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Today, the challenge for your faith is to choose to look ahead. To not anchor your hope in God in anything temporary. Because what Jesus has promised us and does for us is more than prosperity and health and wealth and temporary things. It is so much bigger and better than that. I always find uh, Paul's warning very sobering when he says, he's like, if our hope in Christ is just for this life alone, we are of all people most to be pitied. Like we are totally missing it. If you think, oh, it's for anything that is temporary under the sun. It is for so much more than that. Now, he is the Almighty, and he can calm the storm like that. And he performs miracles all the time. There are miracles all over this room. But sometimes that's not the story he's writing for us just yet. Sometimes we're the one where he wants to empower you to walk on the waves. And we think, well, they got an instant miracle. Why aren't you snapping your fingers and making my storm disappear? And he's saying, come on, if you would trust me. The story I'm writing with your life and what I'm accomplishing in you is even better. And it's for so much more. Yes, we need healing. Yes, we need a breakthrough. Yes, we pray fervently and believe in miracles and we see them happen. But our faith and our hope are not contingent on what God may or may not do. Our faith and our hope are anchored in eternity beyond this world. That's how we can be steady. That's how we can face the worst and remain faithful to our God. 
This is so important. Everyone, would you go ahead and stand all over this place? We want to close by praying, and then we're going to seal this experience in worship. Jesus endured the cross by looking ahead. And because he did that, we can endure anything. Because everything we're facing is temporary, right? And our hope is anchored in what is eternal. And we can look to the one who showed us how to look ahead. Jesus is the Almighty who can and will do everything he promised he will do for you. Our invitation as we wrap this up and as we just examine our lives before God in response to this message, will you allow more of him in your life? Will you allow him to be the God who is? Look to him in the storm. Trust that just because the storm's there doesn't mean he's any less God, any less able and faithful and good. Trust that if you fix your eyes on him, as long as the storm remains, you can do the impossible. You can walk upon the waves that are against you in life. Our invitation for you is also, will you allow him to be the God who was? Those doors of your past where he's still knocking, would you allow him in? If you need to repent, will you repent? If you need to forgive, will you forgive? If you need to grieve, grieve and allow the healer in so that you can look back and see Jesus as the God who fills the space of your past. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And finally, will you allow him to be the God who is to come for you? Will you trust him with the uncertainties of your future? Instead of being anxious, will you anchor your hope and beyond what this world could ever give or take from you. Anchor your hope in heaven. You are Christians, you are believers, you are citizens of heaven. Everything you face here, you can endure, it's temporary. And your hope is anchored in something so much more. Let him be the God who is to come for you. And I remind you, he is the almighty. Never give up hope for a miracle in your life. You can trust in him to fulfill every promise he spoke through his word. So Father, we respond today through your word as if you're speaking directly to us, God. And Lord, we just pray that you help us. God, lift our eyes, lift our faith, lift our hope. God, let us fix our eyes on you. God, you have called us to be free indeed. God, let us not carry the weight of our past for another minute. It is not your will. God, it is your will that we cast off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles so that we can run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. God, we look to you today. We invite you in to every place in our hearts and lives, God. And we declare you are the Almighty. God, we do want more of you. We worship you now, God, as you deal with our hearts in this moment. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and share our podcast. For more content from NCC and how to get connected, visit ncc.team.